the theory in January was we can make content that has nothing to really do with SST and still convert people. And then like 10 minutes later, he tweeted our docs being like, this is so cool. And I was like, wow, we got our whole theory validated like within the first hour. Hi, you're listening to Scanning DevTools. Today, we're joined by Dax, who is the creator of SST. Um, and I wanted to bring Dax on today because I saw this absolutely amazing video um, that Dax made. Thanks so much for joining, Dax. Appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to this. Could you tell us a little bit about SST? Yeah, so SST is a framework for building applications on AWS. The idea behind what we do is AWS is a giant product with a million services in it. Most people, really, if you're trying to build something, you can't just go in and expect to have a good experience. I don't think anyone expects to have a good experience with AWS. Uh, So our focus is really looking at all different ways you can do stuff in AWS, narrow it down to like the 5% of things that people generally need and build a framework around these concepts. We typically end up focusing on uh, technologies that are serverless. So the things you deploy through SST will work for one user, a million users, everything scales automatically. Uh, And we just looked at all the rough edges that people run into and the confusions people run into and try to simplify that. So you can have a pretty decent experience on day one, but your code base will still work on day 100, day 1000 and beyond. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very, very useful. Um, and this video that, uh, I kind of wanted to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, if people are listening, they should just probably go watch that right now. Um, but, uh, I think the name is, um, this went bad. Is it this one? Oh, that was the thumbnail. This went badly. Um, yeah. The name of the video is uh, Between Two Nerds. If you just search Between Two Nerds, you'll, you'll, it'll come up. Yeah. So go watch that right now. Um, and basically, it's with um, Fred Schott, the founder of Astro. And mm-hmm. you kind of play Zach Galifianakis, I guess. This kind of mm-hmm. like very difficult person messing things up, like asking absolutely brutal questions. And yeah, I just wondered if you could talk us through like, how you got to the stage of doing this video. Yeah. So uh, basically in January, we got to a stage with SST where we just, we just finished up a big rewrite. We launched ST 2.0. It was kind of like a crunch period for us and we just ended it. And we, we looked at what we had and we're like, okay, the product isn't a place. It's not perfect, but we're like in a much better place. and We're kind of happy with where it is. We'd love to have more people using it. So the focus now has to be on marketing. And I've been thinking about marketing for the prior year and how much it's it's changing and how the way that DevTool companies market today like doesn't really work. Um, and I think the insight I had was uh, there's different stages of uh, someone interacting with your product. There is the stage where they're trying to learn it. like They're already like interested in what you're doing. And they're trying to learn it. And almost all content is geared towards this stage. So it'll be things like... Showing off features, uh, demoing a uh, like a like an example app or like a tutorial on how to use something. Um, to me, this isn't marketing. This is for people that are like further down your funnel, uh, and that, that's more like on the education side. You're trying to make sure that once they're in and excited about your product, you don't lose them because they don't they can't figure it out, or like you know you want to make sure they know all your features. But that's not where marketing begins. Marketing beginners begins way way before that. Um, 
it starts when someone has no idea who you are and you need to give them a reason to stop and and look at something you've made, right? So it's at the very top of your funnel. And you want to make sure this is as broad and as big as possible. Uh, so if you're just producing tutorial content, there is no tutorial content out there that's going to get a million views, right? Uh, it's, it's only for stuff that the only people are going to watch are people are already familiar with, with what you're doing. Uh, so if you want to focus on top of the funnel, you have to make some... So our, our opinion is... We just go for hits. Like it's okay if it fails. Like most of the stuff we make probably is not going to do super well, but it needs to at least have a chance of doing super well. Uh, so we decided to make stuff that you know fulfills that. So instead of focusing so much on our product or what we do or what we're about, uh, let's just try to make good content that people enjoy. And this could be stuff that's funny. It could be stuff that's informational. Um, but let's not like obsess over like drilling down. You know, drilling the name of our product into people's heads. Uh, it just makes stuff that 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 people might enjoy. So that was the initial idea, and we had just finished up this integration with Astro, and we wanted again, we wanted to market it. So let's apply this new philosophy around it. Instead of doing a tutorial video on how to use the two together, let's just do something that people would genuinely enjoy. And I've been friends with Fred for a little bit, uh, so I pitched him the idea, and he was immediately down. I was nervous because I'd never like I'm not I'm an engineer. I'm not like an actor or a comedian. I never done anything like this. Uh, but doing it with someone that I'm close with made it a lot easier and, and he was down to film it. Yeah. That was kind of like, uh, it's kind of interesting how, when I've listened to you on your podcast, you're such a like kind of level-headed, like real, I, I don't know. There's a lot of like wisdom when you're on this podcast, how about tomorrow? Um, mm-hmm. and so it was so interesting seeing this persona that you picked up. So I think you did a good job on that. Um, play that kind of Zach Galifianakis character. Yeah. It, it's funny because I spent a day just watching every single episode of that show. And uh, I mean, I approached it, I think, like an engineer. I just listened to every single episode and I wrote down all the patterns of jokes because the jokes do have a format. They're, they're always like, because they're all about misdirection, right? Like he says one thing and he ends it with a punchline that goes in a different direction. There's only so many formats of that. So I wrote all those down. And I just put in blanks for where it was like specific about that the person. Then I went and I read all about Fred and like thought about what I knew about Astro, et cetera, and just like filled it in one-to-one. Um, and it ended up working out pretty well. When I filmed it and when I wrote it down, I actually thought it was terrible. I thought it was really bad. And even when I edited it, just because I was watching it so many times during edits, I was like, this is going to bomb. But then I showed it to my team and everyone was into it. So I was like, okay, maybe this actually worked out. Because it was so mechanical for me. It wasn't like a... I imagine like making something of this to be like spontaneous and like natural, but it's really not. And that was kind of what I learned in that process. That's hilarious. You engineered this comedy video. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I'm doing another one, actually. Uh, I'm actually recording today at at 2.30. And this one, I think I've just learned a bunch from the first one. Uh, Just like just another really interesting thing getting into all this is there's just logistics of recording stuff like this, like just little things that you should do like during the recording and before and after that make it go better. Um, and I learned a ton just from that first one. So I'm excited to do the second one and, and see if it comes out, comes out even better. Yeah. What kind of stuff did you learn? Yeah. So a very simple thing was, okay. So one, uh, if you watch between two ferns, the exact alpha next version, it's all very, very smooth. And it looks like a very real conversation. I found one, and I was very nervous when I watched that because I was like, man, how are these people so good at this? I found one behind the scenes uh, episode. And it turns out 
oh, no one is good at this. It's all completely fake. Uh, pretty much after every single line Zach delivers, the other person just bursts out laughing. And it's fully done in edits. And that's true of the one that video I made too. Like what you guys saw in that video was not like nowhere close to what actually happened. Uh, I took clips of him listening to me and spliced them in as though it was his response to me. So it looked super awkward. And, and that's what that's what they do in, in that show as well. And uh, the one thing that though I didn't realize was as you're filming, obviously we're like laughing the whole time. The whole time we're filming, we were just cracking up. The, um, and if you watch the final video, you'll see we're like, we're like kind of more smiley towards the end. Uh, but what the original show does a good job of is once you're laughing, you should like reset. You should like say reset. So everyone knows to like reset their face and then go to the next line. Otherwise, like you're just, you're just like more giggly by the end, by the end of the, end of the, end of the episode. So yeah, little things like that. You just, you just learn. Yeah. Cause you, I guess you want it to almost be like, there's more distance between the two yeah. people by the end. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and you can see like Fred and, and myself, like in some of the lines, he's like kind of half laughing, delivering them, which is also has its own level of humor. Just, just seeing that. But uh, yeah, like it just, I was very impressed with the original with how, with how much goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing. Um, and it, it's funny how, like how much funnier, um, things are when it's like so specific to your like area, like when it's like the slam is like on Guillermo Rausch, like it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just so much funnier. I don't know why. Yeah. There's a, there's an episode of the show, modern family. The, one of the characters, you're not familiar with it, One of the characters is a, he's a real estate agent and he's kind of like a dorky dad and he's picked to host this like real estate agent award show thing. And his family finds his note cards and they're like, this is terrible. Like these are like the worst jokes ever. He's going to embarrass himself. So they hide his note cards and make it so he like can't read his jokes. But it turns out, uh, and he eventually gets them and he eventually reads them and he kills it. Everyone loves it. And it turns out, it's exactly that. It's like these specific jokes that just would never land anywhere else are like extra funny in with the right audience. Right. So it was, it was actually exactly that. And I showed uh, my wife the script and she actually found it funny, but then she like didn't understand a lot of it or some of it, but she like understood the, like what I was potentially making fun of. Um, but yeah, it just hits like a hundred times harder when it's like ultra specific. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's like, it's one of the things I thought about after is like how this, like for most companies, essentially you're announcing an integration between one dev tool and another dev tool. Like <laughs> it's like not the most exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I feel like for most companies that would have just been, I don't know, like a tweet with the two logos side by side and yeah. that's going to, you know, and everyone within the company would like it and share it and that would be kind of yeah. the extent to which people would find out about it. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I think the thing I realized and us as a team, we realized was, okay, all these dev tool companies have marketing departments. They have people hired to do this full time, but it really feels like no one is really thinking about it. They're just doing the things you're supposed to be doing. Like, Oh, okay. If there's a release, you write a blog post and you post it. Um, if you think really hard about why you're doing these things, you actually would never do any of those because they just don't provide much value. Um, and that's why it's like, that's the thing we're really excited about. We realized there actually isn't another company we can look at and say they're doing everything right. We need to copy them. 
Um, what's hard about that is you have to invent a lot, but it also means the bar is incredibly low. So as long as you have a unique angle, you don't have to be amazing at it. Um, the, the expectations are super low. And that's again, with this Fred video, there's other like funny tech stuff out there, but it tends to be like the same old jokes recycled. It's like junior engineers like this, senior engineers like that. So I, we just felt like the bar was super low on even the comedy side. And we didn't have to be like that, that funny. Um, I think we're going to see this get pushed uh, as more people understand that this is like an angle you can exploit. Uh, I think like the bars in our raise. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I think you know, we're planning a series a that we're going to be raising in the next six months. And a good portion of that is to invest more in our marketing. We'd love to just get people that are actually like really talented with some of these things to come help us. Uh, like, or like an actual comedian or like people that actually make like really good content on YouTube, things like that. Um, we don't want them to make content pitching our product. We just want to, them to continue, continue to do what they're really, really good at. Just like bend it a little bit towards the general tech audience. But yeah, besides that, like they don't have to like really change much. And um, there's just so much opportunity there. If, if, uh, again, very outside the box, not what, if you go to any marketing department, any, any tech company, they would probably be like, that's a really bad idea. Or like, it would just be too weird. But given that we're small, we can kind of do whatever we want. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting when you think about like hiring a comedian and stuff like that. But like, mm -hmm. I guess when you have such a small budget, if you just do, if you just like kind of meet expectations in terms of your marketing, then I guess you're probably going to fail as a startup. Because exactly. Like, so you may as well, you know, go for the big hit. Otherwise, as, as you put it, otherwise uh, go home because <laughs> you're yeah. just going <laughs> to do mediocre, won't make it to the next stage. and Exactly. And I think people have understood this on the product side. They know that if your product isn't a hit, if it's just slightly better, you're going to fail. Like average results don't get a startup off the ground. But like all of that same thinking applies to the marketing side as well. Like you can just go for hits in the same, you can have a marketing hit, like just the same way you can have a product hit. And it's important you have both, right? Because if you have a big marketing hit and a bunch of people discover your product and your product's not good, then it's a leaky funnel, right? So you have to do this in the right order. Like we made sure we got our product to a pretty good place before we started going more on this side. But uh, like, yeah, you do have to do everything. Um, and yeah, I think seeing some of the people that are uh, not companies as so much as individuals, like uh, I think for this video, a big inspiration for me was, uh, was a Primogen because he is an individual like doing making content and some of his stuff is just like really entertaining where if you start a video like some like i look oh, i watch some of his videos and i always think 10 seconds into the video there's no chance i don't watch the whole thing because he's just like so entertaining and unique and he's got a really great personality and that made me realize like oh there's this whole other angle to this stuff besides just like so far all content has been like i'm trying to teach someone something not much of it has been I'm just trying to entertain someone because when someone sits down to watch something, they're not usually thinking I'm going to sit down to watch something. I'm only going to watch something educational. They're usually thinking I'm going to sit down and watch something. It might be on Netflix. It might be on YouTube. It might be whatever. So yeah, you got to make sure that you're one of those options. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it, it seems like, especially like if you're going to like junior going after juniors, like there's more like tutorials and stuff like that. And, but mm -hmm. like, I feel like a lot of kind of established engineers tend not to really watch that yep. much like in the way of educational material it's more like okay i've got a problem i'll look something up solve that problem but i'm not going to go like watch 
educational videos. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a, a real dynamic. Like my, myself, like I will, I have watched like the occasional thing when I'm trying to like learn. I remember when I was trying to like get into GraphQL, I like watched a few GraphQL talks on people like moving a really complicated REST API to GraphQL. Cause I was like, I knew nothing. I was trying to really immerse myself in it. Um, but besides those situations, yeah, most of the times I'm like not going to watch a whole video. Um, so the only way to capture someone like me is th- through a completely different angle. And it was kind of funny because initially this was a theory, right? The theory in January was we can make content that has nothing to really do with SST and still convert people into like trying out SST. And we post this video and like within the first 30 minutes, uh, Adam Rackus re quote tweeted it saying, I have no idea what SSC is, but after this video, I'm going to go try it. And we're like, oh, it's working. And then like 10 minutes later, he tweeted our docs being like, this is so cool. And I was like, wow, we got our whole theory validated like within the first hour. Um, it does work. It does work. And and the thing is, like, you do have to find an angle that is genuine for yourself. Like this like roasting thing does really come natural to me. Like if I'm being completely honest, uh, just like the way me and my friends grew up, it's a way we all interact with each other. It's just kind of been something that's it's very innate. So making content off of that genuine personality trait does, does work well. Cause it's, it's easy for me. Um, if someone else went and tried to copy this, it probably would not work as well. Uh, so you have to find really what makes you uniquely you and try to figure out what content branches well off of that. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And did you like, um, when you were first starting out, uh, on like videos and stuff like that, are there any other things you've kind of picked up that you do now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think initially, uh, I went through the same hump that I think everyone goes through where I was like, okay, we want to publish stuff on YouTube and I go to look at what's successful on YouTube and I just cringe at it. Cause I'm like, why are they making these stupid faces in the thumbnails? Like, why are they, why is it all like clickbaity? And I was, I was so above all that. I was like, that's beneath me. Um, and then I was sent this video by, uh, I'm forgetting the name and I'll, and I'll link you the video after. So you can, you can put it somewhere if you want. Um, it was a guy explaining a guy was very successful on YouTube and he has, he has a science YouTube channel. He like, explains like scientific concepts. Right. And he was explaining why he does this. Like, why do I make these quote unquote clickbaity videos uh, or titles? Uh, why do I like, you know, like, like experiment my thumbnails in this way. And he goes into it and he talks so genuinely about this stuff, about how, uh, if you don't capture people's attention, like they'll never see the video. And then what's the whole point? And he is so unquestionable because his videos are so genuinely good. These are like some of the best content like ever produced on YouTube and hearing it from him made me realize like, I can't claim I'm above this guy because his videos are genuinely a thousand times better than anything I could ever make. And he's explaining why he, he does this. And I think the misconception people have about clickbait is you say something fake to draw people in and then you like your video is about something else and people are pissed. If that is what you're doing, your videos won't do well because the YouTube algorithm detects that they don't want that. And then they like punish your video for that. Um, whereas his videos, uh, the title gets you interested and curious and excited. And the video delivers on that, on that concept. So the idea is just like, it's just making packaging for your product to get people excited 
for a genuinely good product. And I think it took me a while to get over that. Like I watched that video a few times and I was like, you know what? Uh, I was just kind of being a little pretentious about this before. And the underlying thing was just fear. Like I didn't want to do that because I felt embarrassed. Like my friend's going to laugh at me. Like if I do stuff like this, like they're going to, you know, so under all of it, it was a bunch of fear. And I rationalized this with this, like, I'm too good to do this type of thing. Uh, and I think you see this like, uh, mentality a, a lot and it's totally understandable. Cause like I said, I, I was once there. Um, but, uh, if you are willing to do that and like, you are willing to like, you know, put in the effort to understand that, uh, it actually all does make sense. Um, you do have to think about what is compelling, what is interesting. At the end of the day, people have limited time. Um, people's interest works the way they do. You can claim you never click on stuff that looks like that. But if we go look into everyone's YouTube history, like we know everyone clicks on it because that's the whole reason that rhythm works the way it does. It's, like it's all based off the feedback that people do. So it kind of is what it is. And I just try to operate within, within that model. Yeah. I think you're so right. Like everything you said there is like exactly how I've been feeling as well. That kind of fear and like that cycle that you go through and you know, it, it's like, it's so true though. Like if you have good content, then you need to do this stuff to get people through the door. Otherwise no one's going to watch what you do anyway. Um, no matter how good it is. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and now in hindsight, I was like, I was so entitled to be like, my content is so good that it should just work on its own. Uh, especially that now that I'm like more, I progress more, I'm like, my content wasn't even good before. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a skill like everything else. You develop it over time and you'll just look back at what you were doing a year ago and be like, wow, that was really sucky. Um, but you get a lot better at it very quickly for anyone interested in, in doing this stuff. Uh, like I've been doing this just part-time alongside everything else that I do. And I would say it's been like six months or so I've been doing this. And in that time, I've gotten like many, many, many times better. Yeah. I think that's a really good kind of advice, like in, in terms of like just getting, just doing it, you will get better. And yeah, mm -hmm. like it's for me, like looking at your videos, like it's just, they're so good. And it, it makes me question like, yeah, how, how mine, mine are and like, I feel like with YouTube, ultimately YouTube is an amazing place in that like, if your video is good and your title is good and your thumbnail is good, like people will watch it. And if they're not watching it, it's probably because like, you're not doing those things well. And it's kind of like mm -hmm. quite interesting in that it's like its own sort of, uh, like they'll promote it for you once you get, once you hit that. Yeah. It is such a machine. It is crazy. Like compared to every other platform, like we're not even doing that well on YouTube right now. Like we just haven't we've like made a few videos here and there, but we haven't like really dedicated our time to it. And we know we have to, because there just is no other machine like it. It is so good at finding the exact person. If it's a, if the video is good, it's so good at finding every single person that would like it and like showing it to them. Um, yeah. So if you can like really tap into that, it's, it's like unheard of. Like no other platform gives you that kind of reach and ability. So you were talking about like kind of maybe getting comedians and stuff like that. Do you feel like this whole process could kind of just carry you all the way through like in some, as a company? Yeah, I think so. So uh, we are a very small, like we're just three people and we're able to kind of do a lot given that our small size and we're going to continue to be a very, very small company. Um, so in order to be a small company, you have to find ways to like just really find leverage anywhere you can. Uh, and marketing is a huge lever, right? If you have a really good channel, it means that anytime you have a good idea, you never have to worry about are the right people going to see it, right? 
Um, and I think we're fine on that part. We're fine on that. Okay. Making good ideas and building products that, that line up with that. Uh, and now we're building our marketing channel and having a really solid marketing channel is a huge lever. Like it's just way less money, time, energy you need to spend in a million, million places. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, as we raise money, as we invest in more areas, uh, we're not going to hire a hundred people. Like that's not where the money's going to go. It's going to go towards like some of these marketing efforts. And I, I do think that, uh, we treat it just as important as everything else we're doing. Um, just like we just talked about, like, just cause your video is good. Doesn't mean you don't have to make the cover of it. Good. The exact same way. Just cause our product is good. Doesn't mean we don't have to spend just as much time on, on the marketing side. So I'm pretty excited about what we can invest in. I think again, just it's so new and the space is so like immature that there's crazy advantages up for the taking. Um, like most companies might hire like a full-time quote unquote marketing person for like, let's say 150 K a year, uh, in the U S um, for that price, uh, but 150 K is a lot like around 10 K a month, a little over the 10 K a month. Uh, there are so many insanely talented people making content on YouTube that make nothing close to that. If I gave any one of them a budget like that, they could just kill it in terms of the views that they get for us. Um, way, way more than a full-time marketing person could. Uh, so I'm excited to find those opportunities that are just like super high leverage and, and invest more there. Yeah. And do you think it's going to be challenging to kind of get someone who's not working in tech to like come in and kind of like have the same kind of impact? Because obviously what you do, a lot of it is like, and I know we're talking offline that you, yeah. you are like very much writing code. Like you're, <laughs> you're somehow, yeah. I don't know how you're doing it, but like flicking back and forth between them and it gives you this perspective, but. Yeah. Big part of the way we're able to operate the way we do is because there's no like, communication overhead. Like when I, like literally when I run into a rough edge somewhere, I can like translate that all the way into a joke for some content that I'm making. Right. I don't have to like explain this to someone else. So that is an area that we have to figure out. Uh, I think the way we're thinking about it is we're going to hire and contract people for quality purposes, not to replace us. Um, so I'd love to work with someone that is like very good at like, the filmmaking aspect of it, or like even just like basic things like, like lighting and like just production quality stuff. Um, and someone who understands like how to like edit stuff together to keep it engaging, to keep it fun. that can, can kind of give us like really rough, like harsh feedback on, on what we're doing. Um, we're not going to be able to replace the fact that most of our ideas probably gonna have to come from us, but we'd love to have just more talented people that we can like uh, go back and forth with and, and it's a way that writing rooms work. I think like I always think about shows that are, they don't have to be funny shows. The shows in general, um, there's two shows that come up to mind. So one is Silicon Valley. The other one is Call and Catch Fire. Uh, Silicon Valley is a comedy. Call and Catch Fire is a drama. Both of these shows did a fantastic job of capturing like really insane little details about the industry uh, while still being a fantastic show on, on its own. Call and Catch Fire specifically like captured like so many of the emotions of being a founder and like working on something and then realizing like the actual thing you should have been working on was like right there and you missed it. Like they capture all those details really, really well. Um, so they, people pull this off. So it's clearly a mix of people that love the experience working with people that are good at delivering that into a nice format. Um, again, I don't know how this works, but I'm looking forward to, to finding out. Yeah. That's interesting. And I can see you're already like the bar, like you're having to look outside of like, <laughs> The tech dev tools like Silicon Valley, like as a, that's, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Dax, I think that's all we've got time for. But um, if you had to kind of pick out some kind of key takeaways for anyone listening, what would be the things that you'd want them to remember? Yeah, it's just remember that uh, if you're building a company, you do need to do marketing. Uh, you don't just need to do marketing. You need to be one of the best marketers in the space. Otherwise, you're not really just doing the default of posting on LinkedIn. Like that's not going to give you any kind of crazy, uh, crazy leverage. Um, get interested in it. Get excited about it. There was a time where I hated it and thought that I would never like marketing. Like, what is that? Like, it sounds boring. Uh, find a way to make it something you enjoy, um, find content you love. And if you love the content, you're probably going to have fun making other content like it. Um, that's kind of what I did and it's working really well for us. And I'm just, now I'm just as excited to go work on a video as I am to go work on a new feature. And yeah, if you can enjoy it, it just makes it all, all more possible. Yeah. That's awesome. And where can people learn more about SST and about DAX? Yeah. So sst.dev is the website. Go check it out. Um, and then for me, I'm, I'm on Twitter and my handle is THDXR. Probably see me around. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dax, for joining. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.